Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Out of Control Pod. We're your hosts, Amber and Nini, and today we wanted to dedicate this episode in awareness for Sexual Assault Awareness Month, and we wanted to also mention that this episode and content might include details and information that may be triggering, so please proceed under your own discretion. This is just a disclaimer that we are not professionals by any means and that we are just speaking from our own experiences and research only. So we'll be trying to provide as much resources as possible that we may not be able to give out from firsthand experience. April 2021 is actually the 20th anniversary of Sexual Assault Awareness Month. But of course, the history of sexual assault has been a part of human history. And Sexual Assault Awareness Month is an annual campaign to raise public awareness and prevention of sexual assault harassment, and abuse. The U.S. Department of Justice Office on Violence Against Women defines sexual assault as any non-consensual sexual act prescribed by federal, tribal, or state law, including when the victim lacks the capacity to consent. So, what does consent look like? So, consent comes in a lot of different forms, a lot of different ways to recognize consent and to recognize when it is not consensual. So by definition, consent is an agreement between participants to engage in sexual activity. And it should be clearly and freely communicated so that you guys understand and respect each other's boundaries at all times. And of course, consent cannot be given by underage individuals, those that are intoxicated or incapacitated by either drugs or alcohol, and of course, if the individual is asleep or unconscious. Additionally, if a person agrees to a sexual activity under pressure or any type of intimidation or threat, that is not consent because that person did not agree on free will. I think it's ridiculous that this even has to be said at this point. You would think that it's basic human knowledge to respect each other's boundaries when it comes to something so intimate and private Mm -hmm. to one person. But the fact that it has to be explicitly uh, defined and said for some people to actually understand what consent is, Mm -hmm. is atrocious. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of communication that comes with consent. I think communication is key. Mm-hmm. Over communication rather than under communicating mm-hmm. always is the safer bet mm-hmm. in any situation, especially when it comes to engaging in sexual activity. Oh, yeah. A lot of young people don't understand what consent is and what their boundaries are and when they're allowed to say no, mm-hmm. which is all the time. You're always allowed to say no. But when you're young and you don't really understand what's happening, it's hard. To say no and sometimes you don't even understand what happened until years down the line which is why it's so important to have conversations with your children or your younger siblings Mm -hmm. and stop the taboo on the subject of sex it's not that taboo it's not it's not taboo yeah every like sexual person does it of course there's also asexual Asexual. people Mm -hmm. 
even then it should just be something that we talk about just because you say yes once doesn't mean that you say yes every time after consent should be a reoccurring thing where you're constantly asking you know explicitly is this okay with you mm-hmm. is this all right mm-hmm. do you feel okay mm-hmm. are you comfortable moving forward Mm-hmm. Like, should we go further? Those are questions that are very important to ask in a sexual activity that you're engaging in with anyone. And of course, just because you say yes doesn't mean you can't change your mind at any given time, right? Mm-hmm. You can withdraw your consent at any point, literally you, any point. You don't owe anybody anything. Never. That is never the case. And like you mentioned, a lot of younger people don't realize that and it's unfortunate to see so many instances where it could have been prevented by having that knowledge but just simply people they're just not aware of their options Mm -hmm. and when you're not aware of the options you only go with what you know so consent can definitely be verbal right that's one of the most explicit way to get confirmation from the other person that you're going to be engaging with but you can also give physical cues alongside Mm -hmm. with that too so there's options there's ways to go about it and sometimes it's not easy to do one way or the other Mm -hmm. but in combination you can do that but let's talk about what consent does not look like there's ways to know that the person is not okay just because there is a lack of no doesn't mean that it's a yes don't make assumptions based on that just because someone is wearing certain clothes flirting any of this is not an invitation nobody should have to dress themselves to avoid getting sexually assaulted point blank i know in school we have dress codes in Mm -hmm. workplaces we have dress codes and these are often implemented so that boys don't get distracted which first of all first of all we as women do not dress in order for other people to be comfortable or uncomfortable right Mm -hmm. We are not objects for people, men, to objectify. We should not have to dress for other people. Mm -hmm. Whether you're in your sweats, you're in your shorts, you're in your sports bra, you're in your bikini, whatever you are wearing. like If you're not wearing anything. Yeah, if you're in your (laughs) birthday suit, that should be the decision of that person and it should not be influenced by other people. And it shouldn't make other people uncomfortable. This goes for girls, boys, and non-binary, anywhere on the spectrum. You Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to dress for somebody else. Mm -hmm. You dress for yourself and who you decide to dress for. Mm -hmm. But I was reading this post the other day actually they were in a meeting and they were discussing workplace attire Mm -hmm. and apparently some of the men in the office had mentioned that certain ways that the woman dress in the office are distracting oh i'm sure and makes them think certain things and then one of the women in the meeting was like i like girls And the men were like, um, okay. And she was like, I like girls and I don't get distracted by whatever other women wear. And I think that really shut the men up because you should be able to control yourself and respect somebody else's boundaries, somebody Mm -hmm. else's body. And of course, this isn't just a problem for men, but that was just the post that I saw. Mm -hmm. And statistically, women feel the need 
to make others comfortable. Of course, you have the male masculinity that... Toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. And that still plays into the workplace today and beyond the workplace too. Mm-hmm. No matter the gender, what another person wears is none of your business and neither should it distract you nor hinder you from doing anything that you're supposed to especially in a workplace that's just good for that woman for speaking up Mm -hmm. and good for that woman for representing the fact that you should have self-control and that you should not be complaining about other people and other women distracting you because that's your thought and your control yeah, right. this is a personal problem. Yeah, this is not other people's <laughs> problem. It's yours. Mm-hmm. Imagine asking somebody to dress a certain way because of your thoughts. Like, um, excuse the fuck out of me. Like, <laughs> you dr- do not talk to me. <laughs> do not ask me to wear something because you feel uncomfortable, like- distracted. No, that is absolutely bogus. And obviously, that's definitely workplace discrimination at that point. Nine out of... 10 sexual assault reports and cases are women. Mm-hmm. I think we are going to be speaking on the woman perspective mm-hmm. a lot more just because that's who we are and what we can relate to and what we identify as too. Speaking of just some statistics to give us a context of what we're dealing with in our world today. Every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted And every nine minutes, the victim is a child, which is one of the most heartbreaking things to to know is happening. And of course, we have so many child trafficking groups that advocate for the stop of this. That's why you have these conversations and discussions with the younger generation. I feel like the way that we're brought up is to think that sex is such a bad thing. Don't do it. It's a sin. It's because parents don't talk about it at all. Mm -hmm, So when your parents don't talk about it, it, it's like a forbidden thing to know. Forbidden and foreign. Yeah. And because of all the stigma behind sex, if a child is put in a position like that, Mm -hmm. they don't know what's happening. And all they know is that it's bad. So Mm -hmm. they end up feeling ashamed and a lot of times they don't even come out to talk about it because of how ashamed they feel because of what somebody else has done to them somebody who is older somebody who knows better and Mm -hmm. shouldn't have done it or there have been cases when a child has spoken up about it but the adult didn't believe them you see a lot of cases where once the child gets older and grows up they understand the context of what happened to them and that's only when they speak out many years after it actually happened and i truly believe that in order for us to get better as a society we have to start talking about sex and consent and all of the taboo topics that not many families honestly talk about openly as we should knowledge is part of preventing mm-hmm. and we don't get that enough in today's society and can we just talk about our sex ed in school you mean the lack of like what was that there is no sex ed. i don't even remember taking sex ed do you remember like in fifth grade i was just gonna say (laughs) all i remember is us learning about the female body and the male body Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that was missing from our sex ed is about sex 
Exactly. All they taught us was about our period. It's honestly better for you to educate your child on something like sex so that they can practice it safely. Mm-hmm. Talking about how to have safe sex, that's a responsible topic to have oh, yeah. for younger people and younger generations to understand how to explore their sexual desires. Which is completely natural. I guess because of the lack of sex education in the world, It's a reason why sexual assault can happen. And more than one in three women and nearly one in four men have experienced sexual violence in their lives. But only about five in a thousand perpetrators will end up in prison. Because one, no one wants to talk about it, or you don't want to press charges, or you don't have the DNA evidence, or you know the DNA evidence has surpassed its time because... They've waited so long to talk about it. And it makes less people want to speak up about it. Because once you talk about it, and if you do bring it to court, you relive every single second of it. And you just keep traumatizing yourself more, which nobody wants that if there is no guaranteed justice. And that's why you see so many reports of people coming forward after an extended period of time after their abuse because um, there's a lot of doubt casted on the judicial system. There's not a lot of faith in the process itself. And overall, it's a very scary, daunting, and traumatizing experience to be reliving, like you said, and to bring into public light. And if you do go to court, you're going to have to face your abuser for a second more than you ever wanted to again. Mm-hmm. And I think what's the most painful a lot of the times is that whoever the abuser is, isn't even remorseful. They're only sorry because they got caught more the reason why they need to be held accountable you Mm -hmm. know i think one silver lining is that at least in more modern times it is being talked about more and there is a lot more awareness about it which Mm -hmm. inspires and encourages a lot of people to start coming out and telling their story Mm -hmm. it's really good to see how other survivors are choosing to speak out in hopes of encouraging others who have been silent about their experience and their trauma to seek their justice. So it's really good to see that there are groups and individuals and survivors who are pushing for the right things and empowering other people to come forth with the truth. And just knowing, I guess, that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And... I think language is really important when it comes to something like this because a lot of times we refer to people who have been sexually assaulted as victims, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot more appropriate to refer to them as survivors Mm -hmm. because the word victim implies that a sort of weakness, Mm -hmm. I suppose, but that's, that's not who they are. They're not just a victim. They really did survive something and the connotation of the word survivor is just a lot more impactful than victim so if you are ever referring to somebody who has been sexually assaulted just keep in mind to refer to them as a survivor Mm -hmm. as a survivor there is hope for better hope for healing and hope for peace when we talk about sexual harassment, we also have to talk about assault in the workplace. And it's common. 
It could be a unwarranted comment made in the workplace. It could be somebody just looking at you in a certain way. Unwanted advances, like you know the shoulder touches. <laughs> What is with men always feeling the need to grab women by like the waist area when wanting to move past them? Oh my god! Please, like <laughs> what? What tells you that you can't get around a person without touching them or saying simply, "Excuse me," and <laughs> waiting for them to move? Like, get your nasty ass hands off of me! <laughs> it happens so often. I feel like we're so used to it. We shouldn't be. Like, that's that is unwanted advances. Use、Excuse. your words. Use your words. Exactly. But yeah, sexual harassment and misconduct in the workplace doesn't have to be blatant. But it could also be sly. That sounds the most dangerous.、Mm-hmm. Actually, they could potentially work up to a bigger issue.、Mm-hmm. You know, what's so toxic about this, especially in the workplace, is that they think that they're giving you a compliment. They think like you should be thankful that I'm giving you this attention. But it's like I don't want this attention. Don't think that I'm grateful that you think I'm attractive. No one asked you about how I look, and a lot of people say like, "Oh, you can't say anything in the workplace nowadays. Like everybody's so sensitive." No, it's more so know to respect other people's boundaries and know that when your comments are sexually implicated, right? Yeah, there's a difference between commenting on your coworkers saying, "Oh, you look nice today," or like nice hair change,、mm-hmm. versus like those pants always looks nice on you,、yes. or those heels make your legs. Look great. Comments made to implicate that they are examining、mm. your body, like they're undressing you with their eyes. That's when we tend to get uncomfortable. Like nobody gets uncomfortable if you're just saying, "Oh, you look nice today." We know that sexual assault is considered a criminal offense, obviously, but the law also recognizes it as a form of employment discrimination. Mm, so good for the law.、Mm-hmm. So it's a double whammy there, and in the workplace, it creates an environment that is uncomfortable, unsafe, offensive, and sometimes even interferes with their performance. So it's important to recognize what your company's policy is on sexual harassment and misconduct to understand that if you either experience it or witness. Knowing how to properly report it to the correct people can help in preventing worse things from happening. Yeah, people should lose their jobs if they're making unwarranted comments because it's not—it's not a mistake. It's not an accident. It's not like an oh, I didn't know any better. Ignorant. It really goes to show what type of person that is.、Mm-hmm. And if you're aware of the situation and you keep them employed, it also speaks to. The company that you are, and what your company's values are. Right. It speaks volumes to see who they employ and keep employed. On that note, something that really gained a lot of attention in the past four or so years is the Me Too movement. But it actually was started by Tarana Burke all the way back in 2009, more than a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And、um, if you want more information from her and by her, she has a TED Talk available on YouTube, and she was interviewed on The Daily Show. But it's crazy to think that it started t- over ten years ago, and nobody really knew about it until Alyssa Milano tweeted. If you've ever been sexually assaulted or anything in the sense, reply to this tweet. Me too. 
and she got an overwhelming amount of responses mm-hmm. and I think that's what's so great about celebrities having platforms. They can really, they can create an impact on things like this where normal people are afraid to speak out because of the retaliation that they fear or the fear of losing their job. But knowing that there's so many people behind this gives them courage to speak up. Mm-hmm. It really blew up around 2017 and more and more women were encouraged to come out and share their stories. And it's such a simple hashtag, you know, hashtag me too, but it created a a movement. I don't think it's going to be stopped anytime soon. In fact, I hope that it continues intensifying and growing to a bigger, bigger stage and be catapulted into all the spotlight and across the world. Because with something so important as this, the more people know about it and the more people that are impacted by the Me Too movement and wants to speak and help others, that will only further the cause and the movement and to not only encourage survivors to speak their stories, but to discourage, you know, abusers and perpetrators. I also did not know that the Me Too movement started more than a decade ago. I only really found out about it when Harvey Weinstein was up for trial against the sexual abuse charges against him from all of his survivors. And I think that just goes to show how powerful social media is and media in general. Its ability to a situation, a widespread audience, Mm-hmm. It's what can make the difference in making the world a better place. And especially social media, you know, everybody is on social media nowadays and yeah. it's an easy way to spread a message. So what Me Too has done is it's allowed survivors to share their stories. It's made some powerful men lose their jobs. And even at a broader level, at a lawmaking level, mm-hmm. It's causing crazy waves of changes. Mm-hmm. Concrete changes, I suppose. States are banning non-disclosure agreements that cover sexual assault, which is how this whole Harvey Weinstein case got started because Zelda Perkins, his former assistant, signed an agreement that prevented her from telling even family members that Weinstein was exposing himself to her. And this non-disclosure agreement lasted 20 years That is a twisted situation like no other because it basically gives wealthy, rich individuals the power to keep people quiet. It gives them the power to hold control over someone else. Mm -hmm. Imagine having to stay quiet even to the people that you're closest with Mm -hmm. for 20 years. We've barely been alive for 20 years. And that really messes you up. That right there is a violation of consent. Not only did you have to deal with the sexual abuse, but you also were held to a binding contract that basically ties you to following the rules or else you'll face repercussions. In that situation, if you imagine the survivor who had to deal with that situation, but also cannot speak their truth because they're bound by this non-disclosure statement, it's a lot to deal with and it's a lot to overcome. And for states to be banning this legally is a step in the right direction. It shows progress. It shows progress. The Me Too movement is, it's a lot more than just a hashtag. It's a lot more than people just coming out saying, oh, Me Too. Mm -hmm. 
it's actually creating real change. Mm -hmm. States are introducing protections for more workers. The Time's Up legal defense have helped more than 3,000 people seek justice. There has been a movement to end the tipped minimum wage because restaurant workers sometimes feel forced to put up with harassment so that they don't lose tips. Mm. Even Congress is reforming some of its process for staffers reporting sexual assault. Survivors are finally getting the financial restitution that they, they deserve. Monetary restitution is only part of the process, but it helps, right? It helps. It, it helps. It goes so much deeper than just financial situations, but yeah. of course, in a world controlled by money, it helps. And I mean, even in general, Americans have changed how they think about power. So these are all just really positive things that have come out of the Me Too movement. And you can find more information about this on Vox. What once used to be a power-dominated world where powerful people, usually men, can get away with unspeakable acts are now being held accountable to the highest standards and being stripped of all of their prior life, usually luxurious life, right? Which they deserve. They deserve (laughs) way more than stripping of their whole lifestyle. The amount of mental draining, physical ordeal that the survivors have to go through in order for them to start healing and getting better and recovering from that experience is way more than what that abuser probably thought would happen to that person when they were inflicting the damage. The damage. So all of these laws and reform and movements are a really good step in the right direction. There's still work to be had, but it's refreshing to see that we as a society are being more vocal and being less taboo about talking through trauma and recovery and holding those at wrong accountable. I think it's ridiculous that we even need laws like this to keep people accountable for their actions. I mean, if it means that we have to have laws to prevent these things happening, then so be it. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you. It's just heartbreaking. And like, I can't understand the unmorality of people wanting to violate someone's respect and boundaries of their own body and inflicts so much damage. So sexual assault happens in a lot of places and predominantly also in college campuses. And when we think about, um, you know, Greek life, there's a lot of abuse and assault associated with Greek life. Women ages 18 to 24 are actually at an elevated risk of sexual violence. Coming from personal experience, I think we can both agree that there's a lot of dangers out there that we as women have to look out for and be careful of. There was this post that was circulating Instagram and Facebook that I saw one day where it was in two columns. It was separated into men and women. Mm -hmm. And the question was, what actions do you take to keep yourself aware and vigilant of violence that could happen in your day-to-day life? Mm. And in the women's section, it was a really long list. Some we're saying how we do the car keys tactic when we're walking in the parking lot Mm -hmm. where we hold the key between our fingers so that it could be a weapon some women said that they carry around tasers and pepper spray which is what i did actually in college i carried pepper spray with me everywhere i went um some people buy kits that you can put on Mm keychains that can keep you safe some people only walk on the bright side of the street Mm -hmm. some people don't go out at night some people only jog in the morning and even that's unsafe sometimes Yep. The list 
was extensive and on the men's side there was one answer and it was i don't know i don't think about it i think that post really captures the amount of danger that women usually feel when they have to go out personally speaking after reading articles of women being abducted around vegas i immediately took to the internet to order pepper spray for me and my sister when we went to new york we were searching so many ways for self-defense mm-hmm. mechanisms even when i go to like the gym and i can't get a gym workout in the morning so i end up going at night obviously truth be told i am more careful when i go out at night and I make sure that I have my keys in hand as I'm walking to my car and I make sure I'm aware of my surroundings up until I get to my car and I immediately lock the car after Mm -hmm. I get in. So it's things like that that we have to worry about because we fear for our safety and our lives. There's definitely a really big imbalance between the two genders that society has put into place. Mm -hmm. It's just a societal norm for women to always have to watch out for their surroundings and be afraid of their lives for Mm -hmm. just breathing of course sexual assault and sexual violence happens to both genders it's just somehow a problem that women have had to think about we're always aware of it like you said i always lock my car right when i get in because i'm afraid of i don't know somebody hiding in the parking space next to mine and sneaking in um i make sure i don't park too far Mm -hmm. from where i'm going and i always make sure that the the vehicles that i'm parking around don't look sketchy yes and even when we go out we try to bring along like a male friend Mm. we feel a sense of safety with men in our group present because for some reason the presence of a man (laughs) stops another man from from attacking you i don't know they see you as their property or something and when you think about even when you go out to like bars or clubs there's like products that women have made where you can test your drinks to see if it's been drugged this actually happened to some of our friends what happened was some of my friends they went to the club and there was two female friends, two male friends. I think more was in the group, but just these four were involved. So these two female friends, they got a drink from some men. But in this case, they ended up taking these drinks from these men and they decided that they didn't want it. So they gave it to the two male friends that they came with. Oh. When the male friends ended up drinking it, they got so sick to the point they were incoherent and vomiting the whole night. And to think that the women were supposed to take it, right? And the men who gave it to them had that in plan. That was scary to hear. It just goes to show that as women, there's a lot of hazards to keep in mind as we think about our safety and well-being and protecting ourselves and other women around us from being assaulted. If you do go to a bar or a club and you do feel unsafe, Mm -hmm. ask the bartender for an angel shot and that's basically code for you're in danger and the bartender will go grab somebody that can help escort you out of the club safely 
Just something I learned in bartending class. <laughs> but I think it's comforting to know that bars and clubs have these measures in place because they're aware of how unsafe it can be mm-hmm. for women. Mm-hmm. It's sad that these measures have to be even put in place. As always, this should not be something we have to enforce and make sure that it's being adhered to. But unfortunately, it's just so rampant. Going back to in Greek life in college, you hear so much sexual assault happening on college campuses. Unfortunately, a large percentage of the student body may experience or sexual assault during their time. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with frats, but y'all need to get your shit together. I was in a sorority, right? And my sorority, I actually joined it because I really liked their philanthropy, which is combating domestic violence. Mm. And because that is our philanthropy, we do tie into sexual assault a lot in one year of being in the sorority i was made aware of a sexual assault advance Mm -hmm. so i went to talk to the president of that frat because i was like yo what the fuck keep your boys in check if anything i want him out of the frat if that's not who you want to be associated with and that's Mm -hmm. not the type of frat that you want to be known for and he was just deflecting the whole time saying how he wasn't there so he can't confirm the story oh man the defense Uh uh-huh and i wasn't there either but you believed the story that you were told right and this makes my blood boil he had a girlfriend at the time i don't know if they're still dating but i I hope not (laughs) i had told him if your girlfriend went to a party and you weren't there and she told you that somebody tried to make sexual advances on her that she didn't want how would you be reacting right now that's when a light bulb basically went over his head Mm -hmm. and he was like okay yeah you're you're right only then he understood huh exactly and i was so livid but you know what i try to be fair i wanted to hear the other guy's story too and so we got together again it was the president of the frat the guy me and another person who was on my board the perpetrator kept on saying i guess he thought that she wanted it oh my goodness the assumption and assuming that the other person wants it exactly the thing is when somebody tells you their story you have to listen to them and do what they wish for and this particular person didn't really want a lot of attention brought to it i had asked her would you want to come out of this? And we agreed on the points that would be met. If it were up to me, I would have gone to their nationals and been like, yo, kick this fucker out. Because I know that there are good people in this frat and I wouldn't want you guys to be associated with him, Mm -hmm. especially after this information has come out. Then it would be up to their discretion. And if they didn't take any action, then oh my God, you do not want to mess with me. But because I wanted to focus on what my friend had wanted, Mm -hmm. we agreed that he would not attend any event that my sorority was going to be attending as well. Mm -hmm. And that he would attend events where sexual assault survivors would speak out, at least in hopes that he would be more educated on what he did. But honestly, it feels like they didn't even understand the consequences and he wasn't even remorseful. Oh my gosh, that's the worst. It really is. And it's sad how often it happens in Greek life and how little people speak up about it. I think last year there was a huge wave of sexual assault survivors and domestic violence survivors in the Greek community that actually 
actually came out and spoke their truth. And a lot of the times, the perpetrators would be somebody in a frat. And some of the messages, like their group chats were exposed. And the messages that were sent in the group chat were disgusting. They were threatening rape. They were using rape as a threat? As a threat. And you know what? I hope that their lives are destroyed because their names were exposed, their social media pages were exposed. But it still feels like the frats aren't taking responsibility for their members. Do you think that continues the cycle and the association with high percentages of sexual assault happening in colleges and Greek life? For sure. I guess speaking from personal experience, and again, you know, not every frat boy is like this, but... But the connotation is there. Yes. Of course, I know boys and frats that I'm very good friends with. Mm-hmm. And that... I mean, some of them I would trust my life with. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like... By being in a frat doesn't make you a bad person. No. But I've heard stories of friends, guy friends, who join a frat and then change completely because there is a lot of toxic masculinity in frat life. And, you know, they egg each other on. I think there's something about how they don't want to feel unmanly if they don't live up to expectations. And that kind of feeds into their ego. It feeds into the cycle. Yeah, it keeps it fueled. It keeps mm-hmm. it running mm-hmm. the way that it is. Yeah. While I never joined a sorority, I exclusively only heard you know stories of my friends being in sororities and fraternities and going to frat parties. When we go to frat parties, we travel in packs. Like we have not this pairs, packs. packs. <laughs> we have this unspoken rule, basically, at least in uh, my sorority, where we go together and we leave together. Oh, a hundred percent. And you best be sure that we are not leaving anybody behind. Mm -hmm. And it's sad that, you know, even at frat parties where your friends are, like, usually you have friends in the frat, right? And you should be feeling relatively safe. Mm -hmm. But even then, we're like, nope. With um, frat parties, though, I, while I never joined Greek life, I understand, like, by going to these parties, just the vibe and the way that the people at the party behave it's not a good feeling i can't recall a time when i went to a frat party and i felt safe that's partly the reason why i didn't go to to many of them but for the ones that i did went to i just did not feel comfortable i think i stopped going to frat parties like my second year of college yeah i felt the same like unsafeness Mm -hmm. that you felt too like i didn't feel like i could just completely let loose and have as much fun as you would if you didn't have your guard up the way that many of us have on that topic i think it's crazy how rampant sexual assault is in college you should feel safe on campus Mm -hmm. but you know even for me when i was walking to my apartment late at night i would be very vigilant about my surroundings i carried a hydro flask with me mostly to use as a weapon if i ever needed it because those things are powerful oh man you strong can, you can whack somebody out with that yeah. statistically 13 percent of all students experience rape or sexual assault through physical force violence or incapacitation between graduate and undergrad students and i guess it's just it's a lot easier to be intoxicated when you're in a college environment mm-hmm But I think because sexual assault and sexual violence has become such a big topic in the recent years, a lot of campus has taken measures into making sure that their students are safe. Mm -hmm. At least I hope so. And 
campus law enforcement do have legal authority to make arrests, even outside of campus grounds. And even majority of campus law enforcement, they also have agencies or staff members that are responsible for rape prevention programs, which is good because awareness mm. ties into prevention. Mm-hmm. Some of the other things that campuses are doing to combat sexual assault is having dedicated teams and programs to help students that may be survivors or those that feel in danger. I know that on my campus, and I think a lot of campuses across the nation, we call it the CAPS office. It was the student counseling and psychological offices that helped with student affairs related to sexual assault or mental health, anything related to a situation where you wanted the confidentiality of a trained medical professional to speak to. And I'm sure a lot of college campuses have that in place, but there are mechanisms on college campuses that are fighting against sexual assault happening. It's so sad that that even needs to be a thing. It's like its own separate policing. Outside of just normal policing, we have separate groups being created for just that purpose. But yet again, it's a step in the right direction for Mm -hmm. protection. On the UW campus, we used to have this organization. They would host open mic nights where they welcomed sexual abuse survivors to tell their story. Mm. And anybody was welcome to come. Um, And sometimes it would be in rooms, sometimes it would just be out in the open, the main square Mm -hmm. that everybody passes through. Mm -hmm. Greek life actually required their frats to all attend. Wow. What I noticed, though, was that a lot of them were disengaged Mm -hmm. and not interested. Uh, But there, you know, there were a few that were. And I think that as long as this education continues and persists, and if it can be incorporated on more campuses, not just for frats, but, you know, just for all the students to attend these events, I think it would make a bigger step in the right direction Mm -hmm. and have a more impactful progress yeah which is all that we're all asking for Mm. is a movement in the right direction yeah and it's so easy to disassociate yourself from sexual assault cases and situations Mm -hmm. because a lot of times you don't put a face to the case and you just blow it off as another statistic but you know once you see somebody standing up on that stage and sharing their story that really really changes your perspective on these situations it must have been so emotional to listen to other people's stories and to see what they overcame and decided to share it hurt watching them and hearing their stories but comforting knowing that they survived Mm -hmm. it's empowering to listen to survivor stories to Mm -hmm. see how much will they had to say this will not dictate who i am as a person and instead becoming a champion above that Mm -hmm. you know i actually think that i mean of course this isn't the only reason but a big reason is celebrities coming out and speaking about their own personal experience with sexual assault, especially in the entertainment industry. There's a very toxic power dynamic because, you know, a lot of directors and producers and screenwriters, they have the power to cast actors. 
they'll threaten you with things like, oh, I'll make sure you're blacklisted in Hollywood if you don't do what I say. Mm -hmm. And of course, if acting is something that you really want to do or if it's what you've dedicated your whole life to, that's terrifying. Many um, aspiring actors and actresses, they're put into situations where they don't have much seniority, they don't have much experience, Mm -hmm. or... Because they make you think you're disposable. Mm -hmm. And that I can just pick up anybody off the streets and make them famous. It makes you really feel worthless and makes you think that you don't have control over what's happening. That's why when I read articles of, you know, notable celebrities turning down roles because they weren't comfortable with the scenes that they were filming, stepping their foot down, and saying no to that. I'm glad to see that because they're setting the example for other aspiring actresses and actors and people that want to enter the entertainment industry that you can, in fact, dictate your own level of comfortable. Especially young actors, young adults. Yeah, especially them. That saying no will not end your career. Mm-hmm. It might have in the past, mm-hmm. but now that people are bringing a lot more light to the situation, you have a lot more power than you think. You know that Disney and Nick were probably very toxic, and who knows what happened behind the scenes, especially with most recently Jeanette McCurdy from mm-hmm. iCarly came out and spoke about her own personal experiences and how. Dude, what's his name? Dan Schneider? He's just. Gross. The the creator of uh, iCarly. Yeah. And, you know, as children, you don't really understand what's happening. Yeah. Even when I was a kid and I was watching these shows, I didn't really think twice about what was happening. But Mm -mm. sometimes they were just blatantly harassment and wrong to Mm -hmm. subject those young actors to those situations. Yeah, it's the saddest thing to see that older, more powerful and influential people take advantage of those who are not at the same status. And that toxic power dynamic creates environments that are unsafe, as it seems like in the entertainment industry. But as we stated, there are luckily movements such as the Me Too movement is breaking the barriers of that notion that people can get away with that abuse. And I think it's giving the later generations and our generations the empowerment to pursue what they want to do no matter where it is and hold those who mistreat people accountable so that there isn't any abuse being dealt with because that's just sad there's a very dangerous pipeline in the entertainment industry especially when you start off as a child actor that Mm -hmm. not many escape and i think you see all these scandals of these past disney stars going off the rails (laughs) when you see it happening you're kind of like oh man what's what's wrong with them but you don't ask what made them this way Mm -hmm. you know what were the higher powers that might have impacted their lives that steer them in this direction yeah i mean it's not even just a power dynamic relationship that can cause sexual assault it can also be in your own romantic relationships yeah domestic violence is A big issue, too, that a lot of people are facing. While a lot of people associate sexual abuse and harassment in other areas of people's lives, such as work, entertainment, or college, Greek life, or just out in the public. There's this misconception that perpetrators are strangers, but actually, statistically, you're more likely to be assaulted by someone that you know. Your intimate partner can also be 
the perpetrator and abuser. Mm-hmm. And just because you are in a relationship or in a marriage, the relationship does not mean consent. It's not equivalent to consent. And of course, unfortunately, there are cases of partner sexual violence, marital rape, spousal rape. Consent exists in all stages of a relationship, regardless of if you're dating or just seeing them casually, all the way up to marriage. You're nobody's property. No means no. And there are warning signs that you can look for when it comes to um, assault and abuse in a relationship, which sometimes may be harder to decipher than with a stranger because you are emotionally tied to this person. You give them more benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. And you give them excuses and reasons for why they did what they did. Mm -hmm. But internally, you know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But some of the warning signs that you can look for is if you notice that you are feeling afraid of your partner all of a sudden, or if you dread going home. And even I would say looking out for how your partner reacts to certain situations can be really telling as well. If they start to display a lot of controlling behavior, that could be a sign that it could escalate to emotional, physical, or sexual abuse, right? They can all be tied. And they may even go to great lengths to have you avoid making friends or families or being close to them in order to kind of keep you isolated isolated and to them only. It makes you very codependent on yeah. them because you have no one else and you've pushed everyone else away. Mm-hmm. So those are signs that can definitely indicate sexual abuse in um, intimate relationships. The same rules apply for even if you're in a committed relationship. If there is signs of abuse, it's the same rules as if you encounter a stranger or someone in the workplace or just anywhere else. Just because you're in a situation of domestic abuse doesn't mean you're weak or you're unwanted or that you did this to yourself, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something that's hard to notice that you're in the situation in the first place, but there are programs and organizations and shelters that are made to help those in these situations. So mm-hmm. even if your circle of family and friends have shrank or you think you've pushed everyone away to a point where you can't get them back, mm-hmm. you're never alone. And sexual assault? can be prevented that's the whole point of this awareness month i think it actually it started off as sexual assault awareness month Mm -hmm. and has expanded to sexual assault awareness and prevention month Mm -hmm. and when it comes to prevention it really does start at home you know instead of telling your children what's quote-unquote inappropriate to wear or not to wear it's important to educate them on what consent really looks like and how to respect someone's boundaries. And if you have that knowledge, and if our children grow up with that knowledge, we are that much closer to preventing the cycle and breaking the cycle, the toxic cycle of sexual abuse in our society. And if there is abuse happening in the home, you can also tell the abusive adults to stop coming over. Yeah, so there was this post that I saw where basically there was this family 
and the daughter was wearing a tank top and booty shorts Mm -hmm. or something and their parent told them to go change because a certain uncle was coming over and that just whoa perpetuates the cycle of don't dress in a way that may make somebody make sexual advances on you but if you know that that person exhibits dangerous thoughts to your own daughter to their own niece I mean, this applies to sons and nephews as well. But knowing that that person is like that, why would you let them keep coming over? Now, that is a question of their parenthood mm-hmm. and being parents. Yeah, And of course, I feel like it's probably somebody that they grew up with their childhood, you know? So when mm. you grow up with somebody, you tend to make excuses for them. It's yeah. kind of natural. But that just speaks to the lack of education in these situations. Yeah. Because by telling your child to change into something that's more appropriate, you're telling the abusive adult that it's okay to continue acting the way that they do. Just Speaking on the terms of the parents, while I understand that they may have grown up with this individual or the uh, abusive adult, I would like to believe that the parent understands that, like, why would you continue having such an abusive environment near your children? And why would you want to be associated with somebody like that in the first place? Yeah. So educate your children on consent and lead by example. Mm -hmm. Mm. Have the tough conversations be open it's never easy just it makes people more aware and can help prevent damage later there's a lot of ways to support survivors if they choose to share their story i think the most basic is to listen to their story and believe what they're saying because it already took a lot of courage for them to speak about it and put Mm -hmm. it out into the world Mm -hmm. um it's scary and sad to say you know shameful to some people that it did happen to them Mm -hmm. check in periodically with them to make sure that they're still doing okay they might not want to bother you with how they're feeling and i think most importantly keep it confidential if they trust you enough to tell you what happened Mm -hmm. they trust you to keep the story to yourself Mm -hmm. and that just respects their boundaries as well as a listener and for the person to come to you and tell you their story means that they trust you with this information and that is a part of protecting and helping the survivor heal oftentimes sexual abuse can be traumatic and if it's left um, untreated, it can lead to PTSD and other long-term health issues. The likelihood that a person suffers suicidal or depressive thoughts increases after sexual violence. Probably just coming from the control that you felt like you've lost over your own life. Mm. Um, So 94% of women experience symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder during the two weeks following the rape. 30% of women report symptoms of PTSD nine months after the rape. 33% of women contemplate suicide. 13% of women attempt suicide. Approximately 70% of rape or sexual assault survivors experience moderate to severe distress, a larger percentage than for any other violent crime. Mm. And people who have been sexually assaulted are more likely to use drugs than the general public. And all of this information can be found on RAIN.org, R-A-I-N-N.org. If you want any more information on this, they are a great resource for sexual assault awareness. 
if you have experienced abuse, I think knowing that you are not alone is very, very vital and important. And part of the reason why supporting survivors and listening to their story and believing them is really, really pivotal to mm-hmm. their healing. And knowing that the harm that they have experienced is valid and that they can seek support. And knowing what resources and support is out there is also really, really, really good to know too. And when the survivor is ready to start reaching out and healing, there are so many resources that you can bring them to. We have a extensive list of national organizations and groups and hotlines that you can keep on hand when you want to refer back to them yourselves or refer other survivors that you know of to these resources. And we've also included a toolkit for survivors of the Me Too movement, for example, during COVID-19, which looks a little bit different. And just a bunch of support and help out there in the world that exist. And I think it's reassuring to know that there are so many people that care about this cause and care about making a difference in the right direction. It just goes to show by how many resources there are that you can reach out to. So definitely check out our description. We will make sure to include all of the links and hotlines that you can reach out to for if you or your loved ones need it. Just for auditory purposes, the National Sexual Assault Hotline is one. 1- 800-656-4673. They also have a online chat room. If you go to online.rainn.org, the National Domestic Abuse Hotline is 1-800-799-SAFE. The Teen Dating Violence Hotline is 866-331-9474. Um, and again, these numbers will be visually available in the description of our Instagram post. And of course, you can always search for these numbers yourself. This episode was a really hard topic to talk about, but necessary. If you are a survivor, know that We see you and we hear you. If you ever need someone to talk to, please don't hesitate to reach out. Know that your sexual assault does not define who you are. You are much more than a victim, than a survivor. We hope that you're able to see the light at the end of the tunnel because it will take time, but you will get there. It really feels like all of your control has been taken away, your autonomy, your body, but accepting that you were never the one at fault and that the only person to blame is the abuser helps you heal. And healing is a long process. Healing can include so many different things, whether it means going through your emotions, allowing yourself to feel the emotions that you feel with no hesitation, and letting yourself be heard by those that you trust, and knowing that they care for your healing is part of that process as well. Not every healing process is the same, but whatever feels necessary and right to you in your circumstance and your situation is valid. And You are on no one else's timeline but yourself. Fill your healing journey with what you need to overcome this. No matter how alone you feel in the moment, you're never as alone as you think you are. There's always communities Mm -hmm. that can help you in this healing process. 
Thank you for listening to this episode. Hopefully, we've given adequate amount of resources that can help or educate anyone in this process. Mm-hmm. Sexual Assault Awareness Month may be April, but it definitely is an everyday thing. Remember, our resources are in the Instagram description of the post for this episode. Follow us on Out of Control Pod on Instagram for more resources. And if you ever feel like you need to talk to somebody, remember we drop episodes every Mondays and Thursdays. And just to reiterate that we see you and we hear you and we hope that you're on a healing process. And um, we hope to see you next time. Bye.